What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by longtime friends. Recently met, actually, a few months back um, at the presenting sponsor's location where he did like the food, as I recall. Tiovan Bua of The Athletic. It was Tiovan, good. Good evening. It's good? You like Honko? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. I don't remember what you got. I, I don't remember. Uh, I, I think I got, I, I want to say I got something, something you'd recommend. Was it, I, I believe it was like a fried chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, if I'm not yes. mistaken. I, yes. I believe that was what I got. Yeah, that was really good. Um, okay. I'm good, man. How are you doing? I am good. You're in the podcasting world now, which is great. You're in the top 200. I'm proud of you. I would expect nothing less from a Chase Thomas podcast alum to <laughs> immediately move into the top 200 sports chart. So I'm glad that that is the case. And if you are not already subscribed to your podcast on iTunes, how can they do so? Just search Clip City. Uh, or Blue Wire should come up either way. But uh, yeah, I started the Clip City podcast on Blue Wire, uh, and I will be covering the Clippers on a... Well, I'm already covering them on a daily basis, but this will be a weekly basis, uh, You know, trying to come at it with a different angle uh, than some of the other Clippers podcasts out there. Uh, but uh, I've had a couple episodes so far. First one was with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post. Uh, second one with Ben Lyons of uh, ESPN LA and a bunch of other places. So those were two fun conversations. And uh, I feel like you now. So it, oh, it's been fun. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> tread lightly because um, <laughs> I don't know if I wish that on anybody. Um, ben Golliver, though, I would, I've always wanted to get him and Sharp on the podcast. I like their podcast is really good. And I'm glad it continued with him leaving for the Washington Post because um, I was a little nervous. That's like the thing with a lot of podcasts now. It's just there's so much there's so many different moving parts with everybody in the sports media landscape that like, if you get attached to a pod that you realize you listen to a lot, you're just like counting down the days before one of them gets another job and the podcast just ends. Like if you go <laughs> through the iTunes, uh, just rabbit hole of sports podcasts, there's so many that just hit their prime. And then 2017 was their last episode. And you're like, ah, oh. like I used to listen to the I am basketball podcast every week, like two to three times with Zach and Matt, for years yeah years and then it's just gone forever and it's kind of sad i mean i know he's on basketball buds and everything but 
I, it doesn't compare to uh, the I Basketball podcast. I, I just have so many vivid memories of riding around in traffic with that, and then they're just gone because nobody stays around for like 10 to 15 years. It's just not realistic. So I just keep waiting for some of my favorite podcasts for people to just be like, we're changing jobs, so uh, <laughs> see you later. Goodbye forever. And you're just like, oh, that's a bummer. I, I loved having that staple in my life. I like the consistency. I'm not good with letting go. I think that's what we're getting at. There, there, there's some commitment and trust issues here. I can sense it. <laughs> um, maybe a tad, Yovan. Um, but we'll get into my uh, psychology on another podcast. Um, so you're covering the, the Clippers, as we've discussed. And um, Clippers are a team that I have just always fascinated by. And they obviously have multiple cap, max cap slots. Uh, max cap slots. Uh, available this summer um patrick beverly not a fan of <laughs> um people maybe i, I yeah it's, i, I it's think really, that's fair <laughs> he is um he is so fascinating and like on a multitude of levels and i'm sure you you just enjoy talking to him but um sometimes reaction to that <laughs> yeah i don't see the, the, I don't there, are, there are some times when i don't <laughs> okay give me an example can you give me an example uh, yeah uh so I, I haven't shared this publicly yet. Uh, okay. So the Clippers were in Utah, and it's been a really weird issue with them this season. Uh, their their third quarter struggles, and and in that game, they had played really well in the first half. Uh, they had gotten, I think it was like a seven or eight point lead by halftime, uh, led the whole first half, and then in the third quarter, the Jazz came out and kind of blitzed them with a ten to two run, and this has been an issue for the Clippers really all season. Uh, I think they have a, I believe they have a negative point differential in the third, uh, but but you've just seen it time and time again, especially recently, where they'll have a lead, a team will come out and tie the game, you know, within the first three or four minutes, or they'll be trailing by a little bit, and then the team will just blow the game open in the third. So I, you know, I've asked Doc about it, I've asked you know Daniel Gallinari, a bunch of different guys on the team. No one can really pinpoint what the issue has been. They just know it's something. So. After the game, we're talking to Pat, and I ask him, I'm like, you know, you know, a few people ask him a few questions. I'm like the fourth or fifth question. And I just go like, you know, what do you think has been going wrong in the third quarter for you guys recently? On. And Pat does not like to make eye contact during uh, interviews. You know, a lot of guys will at least make eye contact with the person asking the question and kind of almost have that one-on-one -on -one moment with that person. Uh, Pat doesn't really do that. Uh, but in this instance, he was looking down, he looks up at me, kind of gives me a scowl and says, don't piss me off. And then he just turns mm -hmm. away. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, like I, that's literally what I said. I was like, all right. And I'm like, I'm not going to get into it with Pat. Like Pat's the one guy who like, you just don't know. Like he, he he's a bit of a loose cannon. Uh, he's not afraid, you know, he's very confrontational and, you know, it, it, I just, I, I don't want to cause problems with Pat Beverly. So can I tell you who he reminds me of? Yeah, go ahead. So I'm rewatching Dexter. He sounds like Dokes. He, he is he a bit, so but, but he, he actually, the guy he reminds me of is Kanye. Mm. Uh, and, and there's that Chicago connection, but he has that like Kanye type uh demeanor and, and mentality where like 
you could just be talking to him and you say like the one wrong thing and then his mood just flips and he's in like a bad mood or like pissed at you. And that, that seems to be how Pat is where he's, he, you know, he'll be very happy in an interview and then get pissed at, you know, he like, there's pretty much no interview he gives where he doesn't get mad at someone in the interview. So that's kind mm -hmm. of like, that's just kind of his, his, his uh, MO. So, so I ask him this, you know, he, he, ignores basically doesn't answer it ignores the question says don't piss me off turns away someone else asks him a question and he starts answering that question i forgot what it was but you know something no you know just kind of a softball question he starts answering it mid-answer he turn he stops turns back around to me and says you know what my bad man that was a fair question uh you know you're right We've been struggling in the third and he just kind of like slaps my leg, uh, like all good. And then he, and then he answers my question. He's just like, you know, that's on me. Uh, you know, that, you know, we got to figure it out. It's on me and Gallo, you know, we're the leaders of this team and, you know, mm -hmm. we don't know what's, you know, we don't know what's been going on, but it has been an issue, blah, blah, blah. And kind of gives me an answer. And then he turns around and, and starts, you know, continues his, his previous answer to, to the person who had asked the question. And then afterward, you know, he, he's, comes up to me again he's like i'm sorry man you know i'm just fucking pissed you know i really wanted to fucking win this game and we lost and i just i just got heated man blah blah it was like it's all good man it's all good like i, I know how you can be so but that that's just a pat story but that's even dangerous i know how you can be that might have set him back off well and i i didn't i didn't i i didn't i'll see that like i know how pat is and pat knows how pat is like pat you know he, he's he's a i think he's a way you know he, he has self-awareness he, he's not really uh yeah. you know one of those guys that that uh, i think i think he knows himself better than than almost anyone knows himself and that's kind of why he he's all in on the pat beverly brand but uh but recently he just had a, a couple of great games like the the clippers beat the knicks and mm -hmm. he comes in the locker room afterward just so uh, a thing that a lot of people don't know about pat is he goes and weightlifts after every game uh, of course he does. So he, he, he goes and lists for like 30 minutes after games. It's it's crazy uh, how he has that much energy. But so he he's always like coming into the locker room when like half the locker room's left. Uh, and he's coming in and like we'll talk in his uniform and stuff. But he comes in. He's like, I got LeBron tomorrow. You know, I want LeBron one on one, you know, no help. Uh, and he's just yelling. And he's like, you know, the Clippers are the best team in L.A. Motherfuckers didn't believe me before. You know, when I said it at the beginning of the season, people thought I was on drugs and he's just going off. Uh, and then they came out and, and beat the Lakers. And, at, you know, yeah. he comes in the locker room. He's like, there were seven people in here on media day, uh, you know, to talk to us. And I don't want to talk to you guys. Like, you know, you guys are only in here now because the Lakers, you know, are struggling and blah, blah, blah. And like, he's just going off. And then he had all these brilliant, uh, you know, quotes in, in his post-game presser and stuff. It was just, it's it's been a nice, like, 72 hours for Pat Beverly. Uh, but the dude is as moody of a player as I've ever covered. And, you know, it can be frustrating at times, but it also makes it, uh, you know, he, he's probably the, the most interesting player I've covered so far. So it, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride covering Pat Beverly. <laughs> so is he more or less moody than Chris Paul? Uh, more, well, okay. Uh, Chris, Chris is moodier, but, mm -hmm. but, but I, I would say, I don't know if Moody would be the right. Like Chris was kind of always in a bad mood. 
So that, that was the <laughs> difference. Like the, yeah. the ups, there, there weren't many ups with Chris. Uh, Chris was yeah. always kind of surly and like in a bad mood and didn't really want to answer questions. Uh, Pat, Pat goes in waves and like sometimes he's very friendly and, and you know, he's, he's always honest. So I was going to say honest, but like he's always honest and vulnerable, but sometimes he, he can be very friendly and easy to talk to. And then sometimes he's just getting pissed at every question and you're like, you know, why are we even talking right now if you're not going to answer these questions? So uh, it really just depends on the, the, the mood and kind of if the team won or not. But uh, yeah, I would say Chris was just always in a bad mood. So, uh, you know, mm. maybe it's hard to compare those two. And you know what's interesting too with Beverly is that like once he was no longer a starter, like he just always had the the kind of sense of where you would just look at a guy like him and like the way he plays and his personality type that like him getting demoted to the bench would like completely derail his career. And that's like it. It's like that's his thing is he's with the starters. He sets the tone early. Um, he gets in dude's ass like he is just someone who you want to start just because you know he's going to bring it immediately and he'll wake guys up on a Sunday one o'clock tip because yeah. you're just like, oh, Pat Beverly's starting. So I know how I'm going to have to get up for this or he's going to be all over me all day and it's going to be a, it's going to be a very difficult kind of game. And then he gets demoted and you have the Shea Gilgis Alexander thing where you're like, do you want Pat Beverly really rubbing off on him? And you're like, actually, yeah, he's like the perfect guy to like teach um sga like kind of how to be this ferocious all the time workaholic um guy because that's kind of what sga needs to be um if his shot's never going to be an elite level at that position where he's the lead ball handler he needs to just be an incredible defender and use his length and all that kind of stuff and be a great passer and just bring it all the time and just be a pain in the ass every single game where people have to circle on their calendar like oh I have to play sga and pat beverly again um but I did think it was interesting that he's handled it pretty well. And it seems like he is someone who um, just really embraces that team. And like you said, he's kind of like a leader and it's, it's kind of interesting too. And you, it, I also thought it was interesting that you didn't mention uh, Lou Williams as a leader between him and uh, um, Gallo. Does Lou Williams like talk? He just seems like too cool to be a leader or he's like just too laid back. Is that all it is? No, no, no. Lou, Lou's definitely a, a leader. I, I think what Pat, Pat's point was more like with the starters because mm-hmm. You know, th- this is now, you know, I could go off on a 20-minute tangent on this, but the, the, there's been a lar- the larger issue for the Clippers this season has been, uh, which they kind of solved at the trade deadline, was just they were starting, you know, you, probably their two worst rotation players in Marcin Gortat and Avery Bradley, uh, and, and two, frankly, two of the worst rotation players in the NBA. And they were kind of doing it, at the uh, kind of to preserve their bench and and that's where you know Lou is coming off the bench and and uh Montrez Harrell is coming off the bench so uh you know Matt Matt Moore had an interesting comment uh, on this uh I think last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago where he was basically like you know are we really going to reward the Clippers for bringing you know two of their three best players off the bench and almost like uh kind of making them into six men when like they probably shouldn't be six men on this roster. And I, I think he had, a, he had a point and it's been something that's kind of been a little frustrating for me as someone who, you know, is with around the team every day and, and kind of trying to analyze them and break it down and stuff where it just never made sense to me. Like why Gortat, you know, I, I just thought there was too big of a gap between Trez and Gortat to start Gortat. Like, you know, I do believe, 
can't really match up with, uh, you know, bigger centers and, and traditional centers. But at some point, like if he's your best center, you kind of got to just start the guy. And I, I think with Lou, like he is in that prototypical six man role and, you know, he kind of is the face of it. So I get why he's the six man, but also on this team, like once you trade Tobias, you, you kind of might have that conversation of like, do we need Lou's scoring with, with the first unit? Uh, so that's a whole other conversation, but, uh, Lou is definitely a leader and I actually wrote a, a feature on him earlier in the season, uh, about how he learned to lead from Kevin Ollie and Allen Iverson. Uh, you know, he, he, his rookie year, he was in Philly. That team had Kevin Ollie, Iverson, Chris Weber, and he was really close with those guys. Uh, Allen obviously was the guy he emulated the most and, and really tried to pattern his game around Allen Iverson. And I actually think there's a lot of similarities between their games. Uh, you know, Allen is Allen and you, you can't really, you know, lose nowhere near that. But uh, if you just watch them, like offensively, there are a lot of similarities between them uh, and kind of their, their stature and their style of play and stuff. So uh, I think Lou, Lou's not the traditional leader. He's not the Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly is the unquestioned leader of the Clippers. And it is crazy that, you know, he's like a, you know, on most teams, he's like a fringe starter, uh, you know, seventh, eighth guy, but he, he's the unquestioned leader of the team. Uh, you know, he, he is the, the, you know, he, he's kind of the, the soul of the team. Uh, I, I just wrote about, you know, how, how he kind of, he, he's really embodied everything about this Clippers season. You know, if, if you think about it, like, uh, he's not the best player on the team. He's probably the fourth or fifth best guy, but, uh, you know, a, a guy like Pat, everything he stands for and everything he kind of represents is this Clippers team. Like they, they have really taken on his DNA, his identity. So, but, but for Lou, like Lou's the leader. He, he just, he's way more, like you said, of that kind of cool, calm, laid back guy where he's not going to say much, but every time he speaks up, the whole team listens. And uh, in that story I'd written, Doc had a nice anecdote about how uh, when Lou got there uh, a couple years ago after the Chris Paul trade, he was really the first guy to ever come into that locker room and call out Blake Griffin, call out DeAndre Jordan, call out Austin Rivers. And those guys mm -hmm. had kind of been untouchable, uh, you know, to the other role players on the team during that whole Lob City uh, era. But once Lou yeah. got there, Lou's like, I don't give a shit who you are. Like, I'm <laughs> Lou Williams, you know, and, and uh, you know, I've 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 had pretty much like as much success as you guys have had. Like, you know, I've never made the conference finals. I've never uh, made the finals like neither of you guys. So uh, he was unafraid of, of going at Blake, going at DJ. And that really impressed Doc and, and the rest of the, the locker room. And I think it impressed those guys too, because they had never really been challenged. So uh, You know, I would say Pat's the Pat's the primary leader, but like there are multiple guys who you know Trez is somewhat of a leader, uh, Gallo is somewhat of a leader. So like they really are a, a lead by committee type team, uh, and I think that's almost what's kind of played to their advantage this season and kind of been a huge part of their success. Yeah, and so we now know who to blame if the Clippers make the playoffs and keep their pick. <laughs> yeah, and lose their pick. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, Pat and Lou. Yeah, just I just love the idea of like Lawrence Frank being like, "What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> we trade away Tobias. How is this still happening? Who like who else do we have to move out of here? Do we have to just uh, sit uh, Pat Bev for the rest of the season? What do we have to do here? I, I don't know what else we can do. So I I have a theory on I think the Clippers the Clippers really shouldn't be in the playoffs. 
Mm. And I'm saying that, you know, as someone, again, who's been around them as much as anybody, like, they, like, they quietly have not been very good for, like, three months. Uh, And what what really just kind of worked in their favor was they started the season off 16 and seven best record in the West. And those first 23 games just happened to coincide with the hardest stretch of their schedule. They just got very lucky. Uh, you know, they, they got hot at the right time and they had really impressive wins over the Warriors, the Bucks, the, the Rockets, the Thunder. Uh, they, they just beat some really good teams. And really, if you look at like, you know, they started 16 and seven, if you look at the record now, they're they're now they're eight games above 500 so they've actually been one game under 500 over the you know uh uh, you know one game under 500 over the past three months so like kind of starting in in early december so really like this has been a 500 basketball club for for three quarters of the season it's just they hit their stride at the right time where now they're coasting they have the fifth easiest schedule in the league you know, they, they still got the, the Knicks again. They got the Cavs a couple times. Like they, and they have a very home heavy schedule down the stretch. So it, it had the Clippers not, you know, had the Clippers still had that 16 and seven start, but it had come against a very easy schedule. And, and this get, p- portion of the schedule is harder. I think we'd be talking, we'd be having a much different conversation where like maybe the Lakers could still get in the playoff, pit, uh, you know, picture. Maybe the Kings would be the, the playoff lock. But I think the Clippers just got really lucky where they got hot in the hard part of their schedule and they've been coasting ever since and, and you know they're, they're playing well since the trade deadline but I, i'm a little skeptical like they have a hard stretch coming up they got the thunder the the celtics the, the blazers like i think they're probably going to lose a lot of if not all of those games but they've just built up this cushion from, from you know that incredible start that it doesn't really matter now like it looks like they're, they're going to be a playoff lock it's pretty They just got really fortunate with, with how their schedule kind of broke out. Yeah. Um, all I want is Boogie and Sacramento for game three and four. That's all I want. <laughs> it might happen, man. It That would be so much fun. Like that crowd just so thirsty for a playoff experience and then B- Boogie being the team to come into town. <laughs> I just, I need that. I, I think all the NBA, like we all want that, right? Like every fan actually. Do, do Clippers fans even want to play the Warriors? No, you know, for no, 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 no. Yeah, uh, cl- they'd rather cl- have the pick. They, they, well, no, no, actually. Uh, so mm. yeah, so I, I wrote about this like three weeks ago. You know, just laying out the pros and cons of both sides and and what would ultimately be better for the team. I agree with you, and, and I I said I think missing the playoffs and keeping the pick uh, would be the best scenario. But all the feedback I got in the comments, uh, on, on the replies on Twitter, fans really want to make the playoffs, uh, even if it means seeing, seeing the Warriors. Now, I think most fans would prefer to play the Nuggets. Uh, I think if you're a lower seed, like the Nuggets appear to be the most okay, the vulnerable. Nuggets, no, the Clippers aren't beating anybody. No, the they're, they're not. Series. They're not. But like <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you play the Warriors, it's like, yeah, like I, I think if the Clippers play the Warriors, it'd be a four game sweep and they'd probably lose every game by 20 plus. Like I, I don't I think it'd be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, I think if they play the Nuggets, it's probably a five game series. Uh, it could be a sweep. It could be I, I could even see six. But like I think it would be a competitive five game series. Uh, the Nuggets would probably have a couple blowout wins and the Clippers would steal like game three or four in L.A. And it'd be a, a fun five game series. But I think like there's just if if you're playing the Warriors, you know it's like you almost go into the series like knowing it's over. 
I don't think you could even delusionally talk yourself into like, I'm going to beat the Warriors. If you face the Nuggets, like the one thing with the Nuggets that I think would play to the Clippers or anyone else's advantage is just the the inexperience of their core uh, in terms of playoff experience. And I think there's a history of teams, especially at least in the first round, like maybe you know once they get past the first round and are in the second round, that, that stuff kind of goes away. But you kind of have those first-time jitters in the playoffs. And you've seen, you know, higher seeds that have tended to underperform or lose tend to be those teams that kind of make the playoffs the first time uh, and, you know, maybe just have that relative inexperience. Now, the Clippers themselves don't have a lot of experience, so I guess you could also make that argument. But I do think the Nuggets are a little more vulnerable just because Jokic, Murray, Harris, uh, you know, some of the other guys off the bench haven't been to the playoffs yet. And I think that does matter. So the last thing I want to ask you, though, about the Clippers, um, what was the locker room reaction like when Tobias Harris got traded? And then this is a two-parter, actually. And then what are the chances that Danilo Gallinari is still a Clipper in the next, like, two to three years? Uh, the locker room, I, I was surprised by the locker room reaction. Like, it wasn't as down as I thought it would be. Uh, because I, I think from the outside looking in, the Tobias, there was a twofold motivation for the Tobias Harris move. It was, you know, A, we're not keeping this guy, so we might as well flip him for assets. Uh, you know, young guy. Uh, or And then B, like, we have the secret motivation of making this roster worse and, and missing the playoffs. And I think... You know, like you mentioned earlier, what what do the Clippers have to do to actually miss the playoffs? Like, I, that's I think that's just in the DNA of this team. Like, good luck telling Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, like, you know, we want to tank or we want to limit your guys' minutes or we want to bench you. Like, that's just not how those guys are built. And I, I really think that that you know the the Clipper there is something to at least in the regular like. I think you've seen it enough now where like the regular season can sometimes just come down to, to pure effort. And, you know, the Clippers are not the most talented team. They're not the most skilled team. Uh, I actually don't even think they're the, the deepest team. I think their depth has been a little overblown this season, but they will outwork you. They will out try you. They will out hustle you. And that's really been a nightly thing for them. So if you're not matching their effort and intensity, like, you can lose on uh, you know on any given night to them just because of the the way they play and and how hard they play. So I, I think that the for to me the Tobias trade did signal like we're kind of giving up on this season. We don't care if we're a playoff team or not. Uh, and t- for the, that locker room, I thought they would take it a, a little bit harder than they did. But it was kind of that next man up mentality where. You know, hey, Tobias is gone, but all right, Gallo, that means more shots for you. Lou, more shots for you. Trez, more shots for you. Uh, you know, Landry, let's see what you can do now uh, as like, a, you know, a starter. And uh, Shea, you know, now you have the ball more. Uh, so it's almost been a, a by, you know, again, a by committee type thing with, with this with this roster that uh, it's really just been, you know, it doesn't matter who's out. Really, the only guy that's really negatively affected them being out has been Lou. Uh, when Lou's been out, they've really struggled. But otherwise, uh, everyone else like is kind of replaceable to to some extent. So uh, I was actually surprised that they didn't take it as hard as they did. I mean, I, I think there was natural disappointment in, in terms of 
you know, Tobias was a locker room favorite. Boban was obviously the locker room favorite and losing him, uh, I think was a, was a big loss for them. And, and Mike Scott too, Mike Scott really got along with Lou and, and Pat Beverly. Uh, so, you know, those like, two leaders of the team, you know, that was one of their guys. So, uh, I think from a chemistry standpoint, it did kind of affect it a little bit at first, but the team was not as down as I thought they would be. And I think that's just because of who these guys are and they're, they're used to being underdogs. They're used to being counted out. So that was nothing new for them. And as for Gallo, uh, you know, you said two or three years, I think Gallo is going to be gone this summer. Uh, I, I really believe that the Clippers are going to trade him this summer. Uh, even if they, you know, if they get Kawhi or Katie or whoever, I think the long-term uh, piece. So I, I do expect them to, trade Gallo to a team like Utah or Sacramento or, or one of those teams that has cap space but probably will strike out. And I think Gallo on a one-year deal is a very good value, actually. And it's it's very low risk taking him on. So I do expect that the Clippers will find a, a taker for Gallo and will probably move him this offseason. Okay. Um, you know where I'd like to see him? A team that I want to talk about briefly. Uh, the Orlando Magic. That'd be fun. I think, I mean, A, they're winning basketball games down the stretch here with absolutely no shooting. Um, and basically six guys. Uh, I don't know if you looked at their bench. A lot of the, like, that's one of my favorite things is going through teams that are just like, it, it, it seems like there's more G League talent than ever to infuse into your roster. But like, everybody has a bad bench. <laughs> it seems like even the Sixers, they're down to like two guys. And like, if one of their main guys, like Joel Embiid missed a game, you're like, oh God, Mir Johnson starting at the five. Um <laughs> like he did last night and you're like jesus christ like these nobody has depth anymore other than like the celtics and that's not really worked well the only team actually with depth oh no we should say the only two teams is um well two teams in the east it'd be the bucks and the raptors and then the team in the west that has the most depth is like denver denver like part of the reason they were so good to start the season um is just all their role players like malik beasley turning into a great player monte morris Plumley, all those guys like they they run like 23 deep but um, also I feel, I feel mixed about the Isaiah Thomas stuff because, um, I saw this coming a mile away. <laughs> this was not going to work and this is a bad idea. And I would have just not played him at all this year. And I told Scott Rafferty in the pod, um, last week I was like, no, this is, this is going to end bad. Like he's already second in usage. Like they're like, you can't bring in someone like Isaiah Thomas, who's had an MVP type season, the personality that he is, and then just not play him and tell him, Hey, Monty Morris is shooting 45% from deep. Uh, you're not playing. Uh, sorry, Isaiah. Like that's not happening. Like I, that's just not realistic with in locker room dynamics. Like that just wouldn't, wouldn't fly. Um, I guess you could always buy him out and be like, sorry, Monty Morris has been too good. Um, we can't play you, but we, we wish you the best. Um, but yeah, that's, it's not going well. And I was like, I feel bad, but it's like, no, I just wouldn't play him. And I, and I said like Monty Morris is going to get DMP CDs in the playoffs for the nuggets. And it's going to be Isaiah Thomas in there for him. And I just, I am, I'm not a fan, but, um, yeah, the magic with Danilo Gallinari. I, I love watching that team because they're, Really weird. Jonathan Isaac's actually a sneaky okay shooter. I think he's actually going to get there. Um, yeah. His release is fine. I think he's going to be okay. I still don't love the fit with Gordon, but then you read the pieces about like how that uh, dynamic works. Like a team that's fighting. I forgot who wrote it in the Athletic. Uh, I think it was Joe Varden 
who wrote this piece kind of chronicling the two teams that are near uh, the bottom of the playoff picture in the East. And it's Detroit, a guy that uh, a team that is led by a guy that we both um, very much like and are very happy is having an MVP type season, Blake Griffin. Um, And then the, the magic who are, but like those two teams are probably both going to be in the playoffs. And it's kind of crazy because DJ Augustine is playing like 36 minutes. Fournier hasn't really shot great this year. Bamba's been hurt a lot. And Vucevic um, is getting a bunch of major minutes and a high usage. It's it's really weird to watch, but I, I like it. And they have no depth. Um, Isaiah Briscoe is fun. I, I just, I think they just need to keep doubling down on vets who know how to play. And then just more defenders. And I like Gallo there. Fournier and Vooch are close because they've been through it all. I don't know. I think the the lottery has not been kind. I still don't think Markel Fultz is ever going to play for them. I, I said six months ago that he. I don't think he's going to play again in the NBA, but I it, it's worth a swing. But I think they're going to try and build Toronto 2.0 where they're just like, we're not going to get a superstar through the draft. It hasn't worked out. So we're just going to double down on a bunch of vets who know how to play and win like 50 games two years from now with great defense and great team chemistry and all that that people just need to brace themselves for the magic annoyingly winning a shit ton of games in a couple years that's what i'm saying i like that take uh i i'm i'm more of a skeptic uh i i question if nikola vucevic is going to stay there uh obviously they can offer him the most money so that could be ultimately be the deciding factor but i don't see him being i don't see him being a max caliber guy like i'd actually be kind of shocked if someone including the magic offered him a max but uh i I do think he makes sense like i I look at a team like the clippers i I think they're interested in him i think he's a secondary option for them uh if they get a guy like Kawhi, and then don't get a second guy like like katie or jimmy or Kyrie, i think vucevic is in that next tier with with you know, Kemba and, and some other guys that they're going to strongly look at to bring in. Uh, so, and then they're not the only team, you know, like half the league is going to have cap space. So I think Vucevic with the season he's had is a very attractive, uh, you know, free agent. Uh, again, it's going to depend on the contract length, the price and stuff, but it would not surprise me if he ends up leaving the magic this summer uh, just for, for what he considers greener pastures. Now with that said, uh, as you laid out, like, you know, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Mo Bamba, like those guys probably are, are ultimately going to have to play the five. And, and there is some overlap there with Vucevic. So who knows, like maybe it's a blessing in the skies if he ends up leaving. Uh, but I, I, I attribute, I, I think you have to commend them for their success, but I also just attribute their success to how crappy the East has been. And, you know, specifically, like we kind of looked at teams like Detroit and, and Charlotte and Miami as like those were probably the playoff locks and, and there'd be a little bit more separation. But I haven't really loved any of those teams this season. Uh, I, I think they've all frankly kind of had disappointing seasons uh, and, and they've had they've each had their moments where they've been competent and, you know, kind of had some impressive stretches. But I, you know, none of those teams have, have really impressed me overall this season. Uh, th- I guess the, the Nets would be that kind of su- other surprise team uh, for me that I didn't really see jumping into the playoff picture. But 
Otherwise, like, you know, the Wizards have been probably, you know, we're talking about the Lakers and the, and the, and the Celtics and, uh, you know, other teams. Like, the Wizards, to me, frankly, have been the biggest disappointment. Like, I thought they would be in that 4-5 mix. I kind of thought that, and not 4-5, but, like, I, I thought they'd be the sixth seed with a chance to, you know, really, if they hit their potential, you know, potentially get into the 4-5 mix, maybe be, like, where Indiana's probably going to end up. And, you know, they've just been an utter disaster for, for many reasons. Uh, you know, they signed Dwight Howard, which was a terrible decision. No team should ever do that. Uh, but then all the John Wall stuff and uh, they just haven't been healthy and all the, the chemistry stuff. Like, so to me, while the, the Magic are interesting, I just I, to, I, I legitimately wonder if, you know, this team, the, the team to me kind of has maybe the three through like six or three through seven of an interesting playoff team. They just don't have the one and two. And I don't see how they're going to get that one and two, unless it's through the draft. Like, uh, you know, they've, they've had an okay free agency history, but I don't really see anyone like jumping at the thought of going to Orlando. Uh, you know, maybe they pull off some type of trade for someone, but I'm just like, how is this team going to take a big leap uh, you know, you trade Aaron Gordon. I got, you just balance out their roster a little bit. I guess you like, have to, but like, what? What? Guy. How good yeah. is Aaron Gordon? Like, what? What? I think he's pretty good. I like Aaron Gordon a lot. Like, I, I, I like him. I just wonder. I don't know. He, he's kind of. Okay, I'll say I, I like him better than Zach Levine, but to me, he's he's a little bit. Oh, in, for sure, he's a much better player. He's, he's better like than Zach basketball. Levine, but to me, he, yeah. he's in that. Like, like I guess if you're if if Zach Levine is on one side of the and i'm I'm kind of you know uh i don't know if you listen to arnovitz and low today so i'm kind of stealing this from them a little bit where they're talking about how good devin booker is and they're like you know is devin booker more on the the levine side of the shooting guard scale or or is he more on the clay thompson side and and they both said Mm. thompson uh i'm gonna take that argument and kind of shift it where i'm like you know is is aaron gordon more zach levine or is he more Devin Booker? And I don't really know. Uh, and again, I'm comparing kind of different positions here, but I guess what I, where I'm going with this is like, is he just a good stats, bad team guy? Or is he actually someone who's just been in a crappy situation that if you put him in the right situation, I think he could really thrive. That's how I view Booker. I don't really know where I fall with Gordon yet. Uh, I, I could see it. It's the latter for his. me. Uh, I do think he's in miscast a bit and, and really should just strictly play the four you know, I think that's mm-hmm. it's been a thing that everyone's been saying the past couple of years, but the Magic haven't really <laughs> shifted that. Frank Vogel wanted to be a three. Like, what was, what was the mega lineup he was starting a couple of years ago? I've already forgotten. Was it Biombo, him, and well, Vucevic? They're still starting. Uh, uh, what Gordon, Isaac, and and Vucevic? That that's yeah. I mean, that's not terrible, just because Isaac can move out, and like that's it's not as bad as what Vogel was doing. Like, no, no, yeah. and, and no. That I mean, that that was terrible, but like. Vogel would have like started Mike Allstott at the two if he could have. <laughs> I, I but I just think like with the way the modern game is going, like Isaac's a five and Gordon's a four, and you're sliding, yeah, I would agree. You're sliding those two down a position, but you can't right. do it yet, and that makes it complicated with Mobamba too, because Mobamba's got to play the five, um, who looks great in stretches. Mobamba's gonna be really good. Well, that, that's where maybe it, it works to their favor, just losing Vucevic. Like, yeah, you, you like I think if if. That, like you always have to look at these situations in terms of the context of the the roster and, and the franchise and, and kind of their future. And I think 
locking up Vucevic on a deal of like 20 to 25 million, you know, annual value, that's probably not the best thing for this Magic team. I think they got to preserve their flexibility. And like for as good as Vucevic is, uh, I would probably rather kind of have that three big rotation of, of Gordon, Isaac, and Bamba just moving forward. Well, I moved, I leave them both. I let um, Vucevic walk and then I trade Gordon. Yeah, no, I mean, and... And then I also max out DJ Augustine. I, How so, do you not but, at this point? Where I, the one thing I disagree with you though is actually I, love that you I think Fultz is gonna that, so is gonna weird. come back, and I, I, think, I think I'm still I'm still keeping my Fultz stock. I, I think okay. that dude, you can you can have all of it. Ah, yeah, no, I, I think the dude. I think it was a. There's clearly some type of physical element to it, and he was obviously uh, you know diagnosed with that condition. Although, from what it seemed like. That's one of those conditions, uh, the the thoracic, whatever. I don't remember. The, the thoracic nerve or something? Yeah. Or something weird. Yeah. Uh, I who had said it. Uh, so, uh, Paul, I'm not taking credit for this, but they basically said that uh, it, it's one of those conditions where you're basically ruling out, you know, you get to it by ruling out this and this and this and this. And you're like, well, if it's not all these things, it kind of has to be this. It's not one of those where, you look at so it's the lupus of shoulder injuries yeah essentially where <laughs> uh <laughs> you know it's not like you, you can't like do an mri and just be like all right he has this it's like well we tested for this we tested for this we tested for this it's none of this so if he's having these symptoms it kind of has to be this one thing so we don't even really know if he officially has that or not that's just kind of what their best guess is so if that's really the case like there's clearly some type of physical component to this but ultimately i think it's a mental thing and I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure being the number one pick. Uh, we saw it, how it has worked against guys like Anthony Bennett, Kwame Brown, different guys throughout the years. Like, so I just, I think that that plus Tatum's success and the Celtic success and, uh, you know, kind of the Philly media market and, and how the fans are and stuff like that was a lot of pressure on Fultz. And I think going to Orlando, it's, you know, one of the, you know, there's no pressure if you're playing for Orlando. Uh, you know, one of the smallest markets in the league, uh, you know, least, you know, one of the smaller fan bases, you know, not much media scrutiny. I think that's a perfect place for him to kind of rehab, come back and, and play w- without that kind of spotlight. So I- I'm not saying it's more than a 50% chance it happens. I would still probably say it's like maybe 20%, but I, I do think Fultz, there, there's going to, he's going to have his moment. He's going to have the little Fultz renaissance where he, he shows those flashes uh, maybe a la Derek Rose, like this season with Minnesota. Uh, although you don't really want to bring in Derek Rose for for various reasons. Uh, I'll leave that up to the listeners' discre- you know, kind of discretion. But uh, I do think Fultz will have a moment at some point down the road. So that's uh, I, I love your optimism, but unfortunately, Markel Fultz is never playing in the NBA again. And um, <laughs> You're going to see like NBA DL highlights of him like in Australia a couple of years from now. Like that might be a thing, but um, no, 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 this is uh this is not a thing. I'm sorry, Yovan. I wish it was a thing, um, but no, this is all too weird. And it's been going on. That, that would be like, cause he's basically rolled out all the rest of this year, right? We know he's not coming back this year and their timetable was like, well, whenever he's ready, it's like, okay, well, that's that's not great uh they're just it was a flyer like you only had to go up jonathan simmons for him it's there's no hope if anyone around the league actually thought this dude was playing basketball again 
that it would have required a lot more than what it would have cost. And uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see Markel Fultz ever again. It's really sad. It's going to be like a great 30 for 30 one day, but no, it's, it's time to move on. It, it's, it's time. I'm sorry, Yovan. It's, it's time to leave the memories alone. Look, you're, you're taking the, the practical, pragmatic uh, approach here. I'm, uh... It's very cynical. And I guess it matches my nature, but I just, I, I, I've never liked any of this. The second it was the yips, I was like, oh, this is over. <laughs> like an NBA player with the yips? Nope. That's not coming back to a Hall of Fame player. Like the Sixers messed up. I would have traded him the second that stuff started coming out, man. Well, and, and, and like, the, I mean, it's not an all-time what if on the level of, of the Thunder, but I, I think it could end up being an all-time what if. Uh, you know, 10 years from now, when we look at, imagine if the Sixers had drafted Tatum and st- had stayed at three, taken Tatum and that core of, of Tatum, Simmons and Embiid, like, you, you know, yeah. you're, you're, that's the best three man core probably in the NBA, at least moving forward. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, not, not, not currently, but, but, you know, looking at project, projecting fair, yeah. three to five years down the road, like. That is, and it's even weirder because those three aren't even look the main three that we're talking about aren't going to be on the Sixers ten years from now either. Like even five. Yeah, no. Like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are not going to be Sixers five years from now. I don't think. You think both of them? Yeah, I don't think Joel Embiid's playing basketball in five years, but Ben Simmons is definitely. Wow, you're just you're just dropping the bombs left and right. Uh, he's like <laughs> how he's one major. No, I mean, one I more. Agree. One more. I, I think that the, the past two seasons have given me some optimism. It could be a could be a ticking time bomb, I, I guess. I don't trust uh, these bigs, these gigantic bigs, for years playing the way that we do. I just, I don't think, I don't think it's sustainable. I love it. I love Joel Embiid, but it like, would you honestly be shocked if Joel Embiid's not in the NBA or not a superstar five years from now? Would that be flooring to you? Uh, I. I would say, oof. I think that's why they're going I, I in say, now. It's because I, that's why you trade for Jimmy Butler now. Semant- that's why you trade sem- for this, Tobias now. This is semantics, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I guess, like, yeah, I, I would be. I'd be a little shocked, or, or maybe okay. surprised would be the, the right word. Like, I, I'm not really sure. I do think that with his his skill just his, his raw talent and his skill and like the fact that he still hasn't been playing basketball for that long. Like, I just think there's something to that. And, you know, you could see it, Like, I, I just look at even boogie and I know boogie boogie hasn't been boogie since he's, he's come back and, and you can point to this and that that's wrong with him. But like, that's still a very talented, skilled player in there. And you see those flashes and, and he's had some really nice performances. And I just think like, a guy like Embiid, you know, is is very similar to Boogie in terms of his his ability and, and talent and, and skill set, and I, I just he's even bigger than Boogie. So I just I feel like Embiid will there'll be a place for him. Uh, I, maybe he won't be at that superstar level, but I if you if you told me he wasn't at least starter level in five years, I, I'd be pretty surprised. Now, like if he has a season or career ending injury, like that's one thing, but. If he hasn't had a career-ending injury, and he's well, let's just say he tears his ACL one more time. I, I mean, I, I could foot. see I could see a scenario where like he just had he kind of gets the Yao Ming like 
you have you you know you have a 20 to 25 minute limit per night yeah that's kind of you know you're you're gonna play the first like six minutes of the first and third and maybe you close out the game you know the last eight minutes but uh i'd be surprised if he wasn't still capable of putting up like 20 and 10 uh in five okay. years but i mean i hope it. so i hope that's the case um but you know the opposite of Joel Embiid, i think car anthony towns is going to be an all-star for like the next 10 years minimum Carl Anthony Towns is going to be healthy. Like, that dude's a picture perfect health. He plays like a guard. And this leads into the last thing I want to talk to you about because, like, the Timberwolves have been playing 500 basketball since um, Ryan Saunders got promoted to the 32 year old son of Flip. Um, it seems likely that Glenn Taylor is going to promote him to the head job. And um, I, it's interesting because Towns last night went off again and he's like, he went, he's, this like you see a lot in the box score deep dives like 41 and 10 he's happier again it's like the jimmy butler stuff never happened they used the men in black pen on him and just zapped the first half of the season with tibs and everything and he's just playing really good basketball and he's just that dude is just going to be awesome for a really long time and i i don't know i think it's interesting that saunders is in a position to get this job um he's pushing uh Taj Gibson out of the starting rotation and he's only playing like 20 minutes a night he doesn't play Gorgie Jang like his rotations and the way they play like Josh Kogi is really good he's really fascinating like it's probably gonna be good for their development um I don't know like I think they're trending back in the right direction I mean I, it feels like Fred Hoiberg is gonna be their GM this summer they're gonna go ahead and bring him back get the gang back together who knows what Kevin McHale is <laughs> gonna be doing there um but I don't know. What do you make of it? Do you think it's a good idea to just promote Ryan Saunders? Do you think they should do a real search? Um, are you optimistic or um, wh- just where are you with the future of Timberwolves basketball and really just the way Towns has played in the last couple of months? Because he is he is a force. That's a good. It's a good question. I, I think that it, it it's tough because again. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think a lot of these situations come down to like the context uh, of the franchise and, and kind of where things are currently. And uh, I think for one, like I don't if you're telling me that the two options are Ryan Saunders or, or Fred Hoiberg, like I would go Ryan. Well, like Fred Hoiberg would be the. the GM. Well, yeah, 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 I don't no, think he's going to catch. Yeah, well, yeah. Who, I mean, who knows, though? He he was, uh, you know, he, he was originally in that mix before and like. Uh, Maybe they. Oh, I don't think they'd give him the, the Thibodeau. No, uh, I think Glenn Taylor is super cheap. I think after paying Tom Thibodeau, what he had to yeah. do, like I don't think he wants to do that. I think that's part of the appeal with Saunders. He's thirty two and has so, no so leverage. That's, that's. I mean, to your point, like I, I think it makes sense from from the price point. I think it makes sense from the obvious ties to Flip and mm-hmm. kind of the sentimental side of things. Uh, you know, Flip is such an iconic and beloved figure in Minnesota and. Uh, you know, I think for a franchise like them that really doesn't have that history and, and legacy to kind of fall back on, you know, any chance you have to kind of reminisce and, and kind of look back on, on you know, the, the most I guess, that stretch there that was the best stretch in, in Timberwolves, uh, you know, basketball, the, you know, the KG era and, and, you know, when they made the conference finals and stuff. So. I think that's kind of an ode to to flip having his son there, uh, and I, I think I think with a young guy like him, like uh, it's really hard to kind of judge and you know what he's ultimately going to grow into. 
Uh, like I, I even think a guy like Brad Stevens, uh, you know, looking at him, I mean, he had way more coaching experience when he, he came into the league, but he, I, I even think a guy like Brad, like it kind of took two to three years to really see what he was going to become. Like, I don't, I don't think he was this wonderkin from like the first day or, you know, the first season. Like, so I think with Ryan, it might be good just to kind of, at least, I think they should at least give him another year and see where it goes from there because like frankly I don't think Minnesota is going to be in a position to make the playoffs again like you know looking at the playoff picture in the west I expect all eight teams that make it to be contenders again I don't see any of those top eight really falling out uh even Golden State if they lose KD like still might be the best team in the west uh, then you have the Lakers who are going to be on the outside looking in, probably getting better this season. Uh, you're going to have the Spurs or the Kings, whoever doesn't make it, uh, you know, probably standing pat or getting better. Uh, and then you have Dallas coming up now with Luca and Porzingis and you have the, you know, you have the Suns who could get a lot better if, if Booker or Aiton take a step. So like, there's no guarantees that the, the Timberwolves even sniff playoff, you know, uh, the playoff picture next season. So I'm like, what, what's the downside in, a, in at least giving this guy a shot for a year? Just see what, he, see what he's capable of. See what, what he could do with a full offseason to prepare, a full training camp, uh, you know, maybe some input on who the team brings in over the, the, you know, the summer. Like, I'm, and I don't, really don't see the downside to it just because, again, like, I, don't, I think this team would have to be delusional if they, if they have playoff expectations for next season. Like, the, to me, I would probably pencil them in as like an 11 or 12 seed. So you know, maybe they overachieve and, and Towns takes a step and, and Wiggins kind of grows into the guy we all thought he could potentially become when, you know, his first or second season. But to me, I don't see the downside in, in you know, at least giving uh, Ryan, a, you know, a two-year deal maybe or, you know, one plus one, something like that, uh, where you're at least giving him an audition. Because the other thing too, to me, is like, this isn't a great coaching market i don't really see like the clear-cut great candidates out there i I think the coaching market has been pretty shoddy for the the past year or so so to me i'm like who's the who's the guy you're bringing in that's the clear upgrade on him like i don't really see it especially in a a market like minnesota it's not the most attractive market uh to me ryan give him a shot and and I, i don't really see how he could do any worse than any of the other guys they would bring in yeah, and I think a lot of it is going to come down to what happens this summer with the draft because I, I believe they have their pick. Um, and them getting one more lottery pick, like even after everything that happened with Jimmy and all that, like, whew, like it, the Wiggins stuff will, I just, I think that ship has sailed at this point and that contract is, mm, well, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Wiggins contract for the next five years or John Wall? Which is the Ooh. worst NBA contract right now? Because I think it's between those two. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Wiggins. You, you'd because rather have at Wiggins? least I know. No, I think Wiggins is the worst contract. Uh, I think John Wall still on like a contender with that contract is not great. But if he's in Los Angeles well, with LeBron and they're still able to get like one other star or something like that, like that's still like he would be really good with them and he would still probably play at a really high level, especially come playoff time. Like his ceiling when healthy, especially come playoff time, like what we saw last year, he just, he's still just really, really good when he can and he's physically good, but he's just physically been destroyed and had really bad luck lately. Wiggins is, I, 
just it's sad. Oh like it's God. just never gonna happen. So, so John Wall. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, just cut you off. One quick thing on the to wrap up the other thing that I meant, I forgot to mention. Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, sixteen seventeen on ESPN Real Plus Minus. They're right next to each other. I love stuff like that. But anyway, continue. Whew, this is tough. Uh, <laughs> so you have John. So both guys, their extensions kick in next season. And you have John Wall, 38 million, 41 million, 44 million, 47 million player option. I'm pretty confident he's going to take that. Uh, Wiggins. And this only goes till 2022-23 on here. I'm looking at uh, Basketball Insiders. Wiggins, 27.5, 29.5, 31.5, 33.6. So I'm actually going to say I think I'd rather have Wiggins. And the only reason I'm taking Wiggins is because it's a cheaper contract. And I'm afraid John Wall... Like that 38 million next season is going to be dead money. Like he's going to miss pretty much the entire season, if not the entire season. And then now you're, you're hoping that what he's going to be like 28, 29 coming off uh, an Achilles tear and, and already coming off a season, he wasn't in the best shape. And now you're hoping that after a year off, he's going to be worth 41 million. Like I just, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I love John wall. I'm, I've been a John Wall defender. Uh, I'm, you know, as high on him as, as anyone, you know, outside of the the Wizards area. Although Wizards fans probably aren't that high on him right now. Uh, I'm just like that that contract being in the the low to mid to high 40s in three in those three years is is just scary to me. Like that's going to be a third of your cap, if not more, and and that's on a guy who might not ever be at an All Star level again. Wiggins, it is a lot, but it is every year. It's a, it's a, you know, a ten million, ten million plus difference, and and that to me actually kind of matters. So, uh, I would take Wiggins, but I agree with you; those are to me the the two worst contracts in the league, like probably by far. Doug McDermott has a better real plus minus than Andrew Wiggins right now. He has better defensive real plus minus than Andrew Wiggins. Um, Andrew Wiggins is the forty third. Um, small forward and uh, <laughs> ESPN's real plus minus. <laughs> I mean, look, like he's not. I get Davis Bertans, um, our guy Tobias Harris, uh, Tabo Cephalosia, Maurice Harkless, who is a much better basketball player in 2019 than uh, Andrew Wiggins. I, Jeff Green's ahead of him. Wilson Chandler, a guy so you know well. I, well, speaking of Jeff Green, I, I think if there's anything we could, we've learned. That's who he kind of is. It, it's that that's who he kind of is. And shit, the Clippers are still paying for the Jeff Green trade. That's the that's the pick they owe the Celtics. Uh, that's right. You know, like look. So Wiggins is going to do that to somebody else. Is yeah, that his like career destiny. To, to me, teams are going to keep talking themselves into him. To, to and me, they give up bad assets. Yeah, the, 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 I I don't know why I didn't say this earlier. Like, I think it just comes down to I think Wiggins is more tradable. Like, if you know, if, if you're, you know, and. I don't know if we're factoring that into this, you know, if, if it's just, no, I mean, that should be, that should factor in, but I still think I would rather trade for John. Wall. Like if you're the Lakers, who would you rather have around LeBron? Oh, I mean, like, like if I, I guess where I'm going with, with the John wall thing is like, I don't even know if he's like, you know, I'm going to take, he'll your, come back. Your, he's still I'm going to take your enough. doom and gloom approach and say, 
I don't know like what he's going to come back like. And and he's someone that, uh, you know, whereas someone like Boogie it has the size to kind of fall on, you know, he has his post game, he has a shooting ability. Uh, I, I, th- I think he's actually probably more skilled than John Wall, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. John is just so dependent on his athleticism. And he's really the only guy we've seen in, in the same stratosphere as Russell Westbrook athletically uh, from the mm-hmm. position. And, and, you know, probably the fastest player in the league end-to-end, uh, you know, with the ball. And if he loses that, you know, that's really been his greatest asset is, is you know, getting out in transition, fight, you know, kicking, driving and kicking the spot-up shooters in the corners. Like, if he can't do that or, or even drops, like, 20 to 30%, that really drastically, to me, changes his value in, you know, offensively. People have just have been over-analyzing, like, what he looked like even this year before. He got, like, he's been playing hurt, and he was putting up 28 and 3. No, he, he was good this year. Uh, you know, I think he... he would have been at the also point shot. He shot thirty percent from three, but he shot thirty seven percent from three last year when healthy. Like his his shot was improving. Like he was taking a four I think it was game. A lot of it was the the summer stuff with like Team USA camp kind of coming in, yeah. overweight, uh, and then hit the, that the comments during the season when he was basically like, "Why am I going to stop partying? Like you know, I don't have to listen to you guys if I want to go party." I could, or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, he wasn't wrong there, though. He's, he's not wrong, but you. That's one of those th- like it's one of those things we probably shouldn't say it. You know, like yeah. li- live your life how you want to live your life. But if I just it, feel like when you're a positive player like he is, like he's just like in positive in like on court production. Like Andrew Wiggins has never sniffed what john no, no, wall no. does production I, I guess wise. and i just want john wall my team come playoff time like that dude every year brings it at the playoff time like it's just he comes into camp like he's a slow starter i think like he needs to be motivated he needs to like be down 2-1 in a series if you told me john wall is going to be 70 to 80 percent of what he was like last season i will tell you that right now then i'll take john wall but okay. to take on that much it's just that much money you're you're really crippling your cap you know, and yeah, wait, and Wiggins should be doing Wiggins that. Wiggins anyway, is crippling though. your cap in a different way, in that you're having yeah. an unproductive player. Right. You know, I would rather at least my cap crippling player to be good at basketball, and um, John Wall is good at basketball when he's healthy. I mean, the 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 fact of the matter is, you don't want either guy, and uh, I will. I want John Wall. I'll never quit John Wall. I think he's going to take like, forty-seven million of John Wall at for a lot of these teams. Yeah, like Detroit. Yes, sign them up. Like there are okay. a lot of teams. In like I, I was wrong. John Wall's he's twenty eight, going to be twenty nine this fall. So he yeah. will be uh, twenty nine when he comes he, back. If he misses this season, which yeah, he'll, he'll be. I think he'll come back maybe late next year. I think it's going to be one of those things. Where, remember, we thought Boogie was going to be gone a lot longer than it was. I I think we're getting better. Like science is just improving, health is improving. I think he'll be okay. So um, 23, just quickly, he'll be thirty two, going on thirty three. And you want to pay him forty-seven million? One hundred percent. I don't know if I sign can me up for the John Wall experience <laughs> forever. I'll I'll, t- I'll take uh, the the long twos from Wiggins. Okay, well you can have you can have that because Wiggins will just oh god because you'll never quit him like he'll always have these spurts and it's the Jeff Green thing all over again. He's just Jeff Green two and I have no interest in Jeff Green. Uh, give me John Wall and maybe a Jason Kidd like late career adjustment to his game. I could see that. I I could see him evolving as a player he's too smart he'll figure it out he'll he'll be okay um yovan we have to go but i appreciate you taking the time man this has been great um anything to plug before we get out of here 
yeah, check out uh, my work on The Athletic, theathletic.com, Clipper section, uh, and also check out my podcast, Clip City. Uh, you can type in Clip City or Blue Wire, and it will come up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcasts. All right. Do that. Leave Yovan a rating and a review. Spread the word. I'll have to have you on. Clip City. Hmm? Said I'll have to have you on. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. The Chase Thomas bump. I can do it. <laughs> All right, Yovan. I appreciate it. Let's talk again soon, buddy. Let's go, man. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by someone I have not talked to on this podcast in a couple of years now, but it's someone I very much enjoy talking to. It's a guy who once got interrupted on this podcast by a bunch of elderly women because he was recording the podcast in a closet somewhere at his old church, but it's uh, it's Caleb Sines. Caleb, good evening. How are you? I'm great, man. I cannot believe it's been two years. And uh, you know what? I I miss you, but I really miss those old ladies. Are they gone? Uh, well, I, uh, the way you phrase that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is off to a great start. I, uh, I mean, you did text me. You're like, uh, when do I get fired um, for this? Like, how when you're gonna have to describe this Spurs season? But the the joke is that you you've done it before. We even gotten into the Spurs, just killing off a bunch of old ladies to start off. Uh, yeah, I should uh, I should re recontextualize that that statement. I am the one who's gone. <laughs> I have moved. Uh, jobs almost a year ago so i believe those mm-hmm. old ladies are still there uh, still bursting into closets unannounced so okay well that's good they're still doing what they love that's right that's right what did they ask for was it like i feel like it was some kind of snack or something it, did they ask i think it was snacks? snacks i think it was snacks because they were doing something and they couldn't get into this into the kitchen i think that's what it was Mm-hmm. And so they just, and then you yeah. explained a podcast yeah. to them and <laughs> that right. took another 75 minutes. That's the, to this day, it's the longest interview you've ever recorded. It still is. People forget that. Mm. Um, Caleb and I can talk about all kinds of stuff <laughs> for long periods of time. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's good to, to talk again. I know you've been itching to describe this extremely fun San Antonio Spurs <laughs> season. Yeah, I was. I think that's why we've been holding off is because the last time we talked, the the Spurs were contenders. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think so. Yeah, Kawhi actually wanted to play basketball for the Spurs. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long mm-hmm. time. The city's different now. It's a frozen tundra, post-apocalyptic wasteland, and um, it, we're we're trying to see see the light of day. And so it's mm. been a weird a weird season. We did win uh, the NBA title of December 2018, so I was very happy about that. Okay. Yeah, we were. Uh, nice. <laughs> I made a fake banner. I think I put it somewhere on did Twitter. You? I did. I uh, so I, I haven't really been much of uh, a diligent Photoshopper this NBA season, but you I you really haven't. Yeah. You you've stopped the dank dad memes. I really, I really have. I've been slacking. I've been slacking. But but my dad powers are about to increase uh, twofold because our kiddo is due in a mere uh, three and a half weeks, which actually mm. is terrifying because we don't even have uh, the baby room done. So there you go. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which isn't a total uh, like crazy deal because the baby kind of has to sleep in the parents' bedroom the first couple months, and so I, I mean. 
that that's not going to pass with my wife. She still wants the kids' room done, but I think we'll be okay if not all the way done. And I know she won't probably listen to this, so I can say that. <laughs> How is the uh, the the first one doing with the fact that she will no longer be the only child? She she seems to be doing really well. Like she's really excited okay. to be a big sister. But I part of me thinks that when the kid comes out and she's like, "Oh, this is all he does," mm-hmm. um, the infatuation is going to dry up pretty quick. Interesting. So you're going to get some sass pretty soon. Oh yeah, and she already has a ton. So yeah, we're in for it. Yeah, she definitely takes after me in that regard. Well, you're in that zone with like Steve McPherson where like mm-hmm. I saw like his his older kid now is like basically going off to college, it seems <laughs> yeah, like. It's crazy. And, I just when he recorded the video of her doing the uh, Iverson practice rant. Yes. That was like six years yeah, ago. I feel like she was like two and now she looks like a teenager. It's crazy. I like it's really hard to these are the things that like normal people we I don't would not even know where to start to explain why this is so mind-boggling to me to just normal people and like well like I've been on NBA Twitter for a long time what's Twitter well it's like this thing and there was this niche area where we all knew each other and we all used to talk and then it got really infested with a bunch of other people and then TweetDeck made everything complicated and their TwitPic got deleted yeah like everything changed but Back in the day, there was all these ESPN True Hoop sites. Caleb did it. Steve did it. I did it. And we were talking basketball all the time and just doing all this different stuff. And it felt like there were like 27 people mm-hmm. total on on NBA Twitter. Yep. And we all knew who everybody was. And he had this daughter who he just did these funny videos with. <laughs> and then she grew up. And you're like, oh, my God, I've aged a bunch. Like, I was in college still wow. when that happened. It's just – it's weird. It really is. It's a, it's a weird deal. I was uh... – like browsing my Dropbox and it's kind of like this wasteland of old Photoshop deals, like uh, abandoned projects and random documents that I don't even need anymore. And I was cycling through and a couple seasons ago I had Photoshopped all these uh, Kawhi Leonard cards. Like I Photoshopped them into really old like Skybox and Fleer and Upper Deck cards uh, because at the time if you just retweeted a player's name with the hashtag NBA vote, it counted as a vote. And so it was like mm. this cool campaign. I put so much work into that and it feels like it was like 10 years ago and it was really like three seasons ago. It's insane. I just feel like, like I have aged. Does that make sense? Like, it, yeah, it, I feel like it's been in a weird way. I feel like it's been way longer since, since uh, the two years since we last talked. So Greg Popovich went from like 65 to 83 oh, yeah. in the span of yeah. two years. And that was just uh, in the month of uh, January with the Spurs record. So there you go. It's very it's, – it's weird, man. It's been a very weird season for San Antonio. So let's get into that. So have, it sounds like you have not enjoyed Derek White becoming a really good basketball player much uh, this year. I, I have enjoyed uh, Derek White. I, I As a whole, I have not enjoyed – uh, this season. And it's been a weird one. I, I thought at the beginning of the season that I would enjoy like not having the championship expectations. And I really like, can anybody really have championship expectations when the Warriors exist? Probably not. But for, well, I mean, I don't have them winning the title this year. So yeah, you're not going to like who I've had winning the title for like a year and a half now. Is it, is it the Bucks? Can't be no. the Bucks. I, I, you think the Raptors are going to take it? Yeah, I don't like that, but I could see it. I could definitely see it. 
you, I just can't wait for playoff Kawhi. Like it's coming and it's mm-hmm. gonna be very mean. And it's like, oh, that's why he hasn't played it back to back all season. They literally are saving him because if the Raptors go to the finals, Kawhi probably stays. Yeah. If they don't make it to the finals, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just so much pressure there. And now getting Gasol, and he's not even starting. They're playing him like 18 minutes a night. Uh, that's I crazy. love their depth. Like their depth is, they've always had depth. And people are like, well, this, I, I don't like the connotation around this team because like they're like the same old Raptors. Like, no, they're, they're never no. a top five NBA player. No, like, they're Kawhi totally is different. just a different animal. And he's closing games now where you have these shots and you're just like, oh, God. Come playoff time, the way he plays. You're very familiar with this. Like the, he almost did it with the Spurs a couple years ago when Zaza mm-hmm. fell on his foot. Like yeah, they were going yeah. to push the Warriors to seven games. Oh, totally. That and and that was in its own way a weird. Uh, it cast a shadow over the next season, right? And and yeah. So for all of San Antonio, we we're like, well, we were right there. And so as long as we have Ka- Kawhi, like a championship is a possibility. And so when all the weirdness went down and and he finally left, like it almost felt like a relief to go. Okay, we're not going to challenge for a title. We're not going to compete for that. What's our ceiling? And and so at the start of the season, I was like, you know, I'd love for them to be the fifth seed and play the Rockets and beat the Rockets in the first round. That that's which is me. feasible if Dejounte Murray doesn't go down. Exactly. And so when that happened, the expectations went even lower. Like, well, I guess we'll make the playoffs. And so now expectations have been tempered comfortably at. Well, maybe we come in at the seventh seed, and we play Denver in the first round, and we have a, a small chance at pulling off an upset, which I do think is possible. Um, if you get the Nuggets, I could see you being the Nuggets. Like I think it's going to completely come down to who they're playing. Right, totally. I I, I do not want to obviously don't want to play the Warriors. I don't want to play uh, the Thunder, even though the Spurs Thunder game this year might have been the best game of the season. Yeah, I don't want Thunder. If you're a Spurs fan, mm-hmm. I think you want Nuggets because I think sure. the amount of pressure on them, just this group has not been in the playoffs together. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't make mm-hmm. it last year, and asking them to like go to the Western Conference Finals in their first year as a group is asking a lot. Right, which is weird uh, because the same could be said about the Bucks, and yet I do think the Bucks are going to make the Conference Finals. I do too. I just don't think they're going to win come yeah. Conference Finals time because, and I just can't wait. I want Giannis Kawhi. Right. So oh bad. my gosh. What would what would be your call in that series? Raptors and six? I think Raptors and six, yeah. It's, six or five. Yeah, because no one wins a game seven on the road. That's super rare. Yeah. I think the Spurs did it against Chris Paul's Hornets in two thousand eight. Don't quote me on that. But it's been a it's been a while It's been a bit. It's been one. And I Did LeBron it, do it I last just, year? Mm, Played a bunch of game sevens. I thought he won one and I might have been in what seed were they? They went, in, they went in like the third seed, right? I think so. So they might have they might have played games. Well, they seven. swept the Raptors, and then they went to the Celtics series. That that wasn't a seven game series in Boston, was it? I think they. I I do. I think it was a seven game, and I think the did they play the Pacers? Who did they play last? Gosh, they oh. did play the Pacers, but they weren't. That game seven wouldn't have been in Indian Indiana. Right, right. That was opening round. So. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I know Boston was at least six games. If it was seven, then they played it in Boston. Interesting. It was seven games, so then they must have played it in Boston. Yeah. Huh. That's this it. is the the two basketball experts. 
<laughs> That's great. With the internet at our fingertips as we talk, we are spending time guessing. So it's been two years. We're, I'm rusty. All right. Yeah. I'm rusty. It's okay. It's okay. We're getting you back into the fold. You can't be any more rusty than Beckley Mason a couple months ago on the podcast. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that guy. Beckley Mason. You want to talk about old and washed? <laughs> Be- get Beckley Mason on a pod. This is a. Uh... The, this is how weird season it's been. The most elaborate Photoshop I've done of anything NBA related. Uh, my birthday is in two weeks, and I turned 33, and I have uh, photoshopped my face into uh, a picture. Or a uniform? And no, into an old picture of Larry Bird mm. uh, post-championship uh, celebration. So um, that is how washed I am. But that has consumed the bulk of my photoshopping time. A thing I was once known for in the wild west of NBA Twitter. There's still time for you to come back. True Hoop just got like relaunched. I a couple saw weeks ago. that. We have. I mean, I don't want to throw anything out there, but uh, the 48 minutes of Hell Crew has definitely uh, started talking about the possibility of exploring what that would look like. Did you hear all the qualifiers I put in that statement? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> But uh, we do have a group chat, uh, me and uh, Graydon and Andrew and Matt and Trevor. We we uh, pretty much exchange messages uh, every day. So the, the, the site uh, is, isn't even available anymore. We let, I think Graydon let the reservation expire or whatnot. Um, in spirit, 48 Minutes of Hell continues. So In spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still there. It's still there. When you when you watch uh, Pop scream, and uh, and bits of his hair fall out on the sideline, uh, forty eight minutes of hell is there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's, I miss reading Matthew Tyne though. I do too. Well, I mean, he still posts the occasional. He doesn't stuff, real GM. I think. Yeah, I think I still GM. see his real GM stuff from time to time. But I liked his. Oh yeah. Minutes of hell. He's Matt, he's a really good writer. He he really is. Matt's a really good dude. Um, he might be the best of us. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Interesting. I don't know. Tre- um, Trevor seems like a saint as well. So, mm. and then you know, Andrew and Graydon, we're all, we're the three of us are probably more, more a holes than the other two are. So, so it's uh, you're planning on bringing back forty eight minutes of hell is what it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, what what I'm really saying is, did we ever really leave? There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I. Do you? It sounds like you don't miss Kawhi. Like this season, like you kind of do. Like do most Spurs fans that you talk to, are they like if Kawhi was open to returning and making amends with Greg Popovich this summer, would you be like, yeah, sure, come back? Or are you just like, we're done with this? There's there's three camps as far as I can tell, and I've thought about this way more than I should this season, and mostly because there's nothing else to think about this season. Um, It feels like a well, really, the last two seasons feel like lost seasons. Um, I think there's three camps and, uh, the first camp is, uh, hates the dude, never wants to, to hear about him. This is the, this is the, the group of people uh, when, when Toronto came to San Antonio, um, who did more than boo. They, they, uh, like chanted uncle Dennis, you know, and like really like yeah. enjoys, uh, hating him. Do you regret chanting that at the game? <laughs> I, you know, Painting the the phrase Uncle Dennis on my chest was probably a step too far, but you know, I, I and just I did fitting it. it on there. I'm not a man of regrets, so mm-hmm. what's done is done. 
the uh, and I think the, the the middle camp is is the the camp that booed, which I was totally fine with. Uh, you know, boo away, but uh, it, it was a cathartic booing, and so as much as and i think i'm in this camp as much as uh i hate how all that went down and i do feel that there was some um there was some scheming or even ill will exchanged on on his way out the door would i like him back on the team absolutely i'd be open to that because at the end of the day like winning is is what matters especially for a franchise like the spurs and then there's uh a much smaller group, and this this third group is so desperate to have Kawhi back that they're uh, exchanging conspiracy theories. And so uh, there are several people who have come up to me unannounced to to say that the Spurs are working on a deal, and that uh, Kawhi left on purpose for a year so that he might find a way to return with somebody else. It makes no sense, but I can't tell mm. you how many people, mostly older people. Uh, send me you've got to go to different coffee shops man. i really i really you know that's my problem is i haven't been been back to my coffee shop as much as i'd like to and mm. i'm surrounded by all these weirdos so yeah um but it's true if you go to the spurs reddit uh which i don't know that i would recommend <laughs> there's <Yeah. laughs> there's there i just thought about you going to the coffee dudes. company i'm sorry <laughs> i just had this visual of you just saying sir this is a this is a you know yes yes uh, like just someone just going through that Kawhi conspiracy theory and just be like sir this is a wendy's yeah i just <laughs> i've heard so many weird things this year about how and why he left and whose fault it is and that because there's the spurs are not an organization that enjoys divulging details people love conspiracy theories about Kawhi here it's crazy i've heard everything from um you know, political schisms within the locker room causing his desire to leave to, um, you know, of course, all this stuff about Uncle Dennis. And it's been it's been wild. It's been a really, really weird year. And so more than anything, I was just ready for a new narrative. And plus, we got like one of the NBA's most good dude, good dudes and DeMar DeRozan. So, you know, obviously not a player on the same level, but He's a good dude, so easy to cheer for. Yeah, I mean, have you enjoyed him this year? Have you enjoyed watching him play actual basketball? I have enjoyed – I loved his first three months. Uh, well, I guess first two and a half, right? Like uh, even though the Spurs were pretty bad in November, um, he was pretty good. Uh, he came out He came out really, really good, averaging a ton of assists, and which was a surprise. Uh, I don't think anybody really – even even at post DeJounte Murray expected him to to be that kind of facilitator in the offense. And then December, of course, the, the team went on a tear. Uh, and he was at center, and so was Derek White, and coming out of nowhere. But DeMar was playing really well. And then, you've been waiting on Derek White for a while, right? I, like, he's just been someone that you're just like, he's like that tantalizing guy that you hear. Yes. You're like, oh, just wait on Derek White. This dude's going to be really good. Just wait. That's he's the, the next Spurs part. guy. He's like, yeah. I, I feel like the Spurs have that guy every two years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I can I can name a bunch of players nobody re- remembers. You know, like Ryan Richards was going to be the guy for a while. Like, ooh, did you see him? He was sitting next to he was uh, great in Deadpool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Or uh, Justin Anderson years ago, or oh, sorry, James Anderson. They they drafted and seemed really great and got him. injured. Yeah, like they 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 have these. Lonnie Walker might be the next one. 
I hope he could be right, and he has these flashes, and so it's hard to get your, your hopes up. And so when I White sounds, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be legit. I was like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I and he's been great. I think the bigger surprise this season has been uh, starting point guard Bryn Forbes, which was a total. Surprise. I think we're gonna say just that they are actually all point guards because yeah. uh, Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes, Derek White, if Dejounte Murray was healthy. I think they would just Pop would have to play point guards all the time, like yeah. just one through five. Yeah, he would. He would. Uh, he would become a a weird like version of the kind of team that he hated uh, like five short years ago. All yeah. small, like Rick Carlisle. Position. What he does all the time, yeah. with JJ and those lineups where Rick Carlisle loves the three point guard lineups and stuff like that. And oh. uh, Steven said that a couple of years ago. Remember when he was doing Rondo, Smart, and Bradley mm-hmm. for stretches? Yeah, feels like forever ago. Well, I mean, even like Tony when Tony Parker was still here, pop start. Pop had some really good uh, lineups that had him and Patty playing at the same time. Yeah, and so I mean, it's not um, something he doesn't. He doesn't. Patty like. seems like he's having a bad year. Am I crazy for thinking that? I, you know, I should know, but I, I don't know. I feel like his plus minus is bad every night. I don't know if it's the, by virtue of who he's playing with, but he's like one of the only consistent guys I go through on the box score stuff every night and mm-hmm. be like, oh. He's still negative. Like he's only shooting threes. Like uh, he's like two for seven from three every night. Um, but I don't. I don't know. It just seems like he's having a bad year. I think. I think he's he's having a, a really like existential year. Uh, all his friends are gone. He's, mm-hmm. the, he's the oldest tenured spur, which is the just the weirdest thing to think about. Um, and Can you do a little Uzi Vert, uh, Patty Mills, <laughs> Photoshop? All, all his friends are dead except uh, I'm all his friends are down. gone. I'm writing this down. That's great. <laughs> um, you might have just brought me back. Taste there we go. Yes. Um, but it, it's it, <laughs> it's a weird year for him, for sure. And so he came out this year with a new haircut and, you know, uh, I don't know. It's he's a, he going just, through stuff. He's going through something, man. We gotta we gotta keep him in our thoughts, our, our thoughts and prayers. Does he? Our is TNT. he rabid? Did the bat actually get him, and no <laughs> one's realized it? Oh no! After after what happened with Manu, I think everybody on the team knows if there's a bat on the court to run the other direction. I think Manu said okay. he had to get like seven shots, or <laughs> something crazy to 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 ward off rabies or something. That's crazy. Mm. Um. It just sucks that Dejounte Murray did, got hurt because he yeah. he's like I really did believe in the Chip England effect with him, like him mm-hmm. shooting threes and being okay. Like just because I like variety in the NBA, I like different kinds of point guards, different t- types of wings, that kind of stuff. And he was like a different kind of player that we haven't seen before, really, in today's NBA. We're like, is this gonna work? Like it's right, an inter- right. interesting test case where it's like he's an all-world defender. He's gonna be a, a pain in the ass every single night, and if he can shoot pretty solid and get to the rim and stuff like that, like. That man, like they're gonna have a really good defense again. Like you can just see it. And then he goes down in just the worst way possible right before the season starts. And you're just like, I, I just remember being demoralized because I was like, oh, this team sure. would have been such a pain, and they would have been really fun and good. They have a bunch of vets, I like their depth, and it wouldn't have put as much pressure on Derek White and Forbes and all those guys. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just yeah, it was a bummer. Yeah, it felt like. I mean. Kawhi leaving dropped our ceiling a ton, but there was still like this cool sense of like, well, let's see what we have, you know. And then that happened, and it was just like, wow, um, yeah, that was that like was pretty. Where they weird. are now without him, so just I think like they'd be a five seed, four seed, and they like Houston. We went no part of San Antonio this year in the playoffs in the first round. Of oh yeah, 
DeJounte Murray in the fold and you are able to throw him at Harden and that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. that would have been very, very fascinating. Um, and then Chris Paul, DeRozan, all the, like it would have been fun. I just, it sucks. Like that just, it yeah. sucks. But then Derek White making the jump, maybe he doesn't make the jump if DeJounte Murray's healthy. I, right. I don't know. Yeah, There's all kinds true. of weird variables here. That's true. And I, I think next year is going to be really interesting because they have, uh, they have some decisions to make. Um, do you max out Davis Bertans? I really like Davis Bertans a lot. And I feel like the Spurs, the good Spurs teams have always had a player like Davis Bertans. Um, and he seems like, like him and Matt Bonner are two stages of the same Pokemon. And so we're, we're, I don't know if we're aging down or, or reaching the highest, most extreme potential of, of Bonnerness, but he feels like a Bonner. Um, maybe a cousin. I mean, he mm. he only does really like one thing on the court, shoot threes. Yeah, but it's all he has to do because he's yeah he's so four for good. seven from three every night. Every night, it's crazy. Yeah. He should have been in the three point shootout, but whatever. He should have. <laughs> whatever. Um, I'm not bitter. <laughs> do you think this is it for Pop though? Is this the last one? Could you see it being it this year? I, I could see it. I I think he coaches one more. I mean, he's. I don't think he cares about having the the highest win total but i think he's what if he coaches two more years i think he hits it right i could be wrong could be longer he just seems like one of those guys especially like it's sad like the stuff with his wife is just brutal yo gosh yeah what a year for him what What does he do he doesn't seem like a guy that like would enjoy retirement you know i i worked so the the church i used to work at I worked with uh, a woman there. She was the uh, executive pastor. And she had been there since, basically since day one with this church. And she was ready to retire, which honestly may or may not be public knowledge, but it's been a year I'm not there anymore. But at the time, uh, she was ready to retire and our, our church burned down. Uh, we, we, had to, we had to meet in a different building. We had to double our number of services. It was crazy, but it happened like, within months of her really like basically declaring privately that she was going to retire. And so all this crazy stuff happened and she felt like, okay, well this is maybe I need to stick around. I need to, to help rebuild, help, help figure out what the next season of the life of this church is going to look like. She'd been working there like 20 years, you know, 20 plus years. And so she stuck around, we reopened her building. Uh, and then another six months went by and we were like, Oh, well, she's still here, like running the show and making it work. And it's been a year since then, and she's still there. And I think mm-hmm. for her, like part of it is just like, well, this is just like my life. Routine. Yeah, this yeah. is just like what I do. And so it's not that crazy year after year because she's been doing it for so long. And I wonder if Pop's in the same boat. Like when all this stuff went down with Kawhi, it was crazy. It's really the first time in Pop's entire career where something like this has happened on his team where there's such a, a, a crater from a player's exit, a really a key player's exit. And so he was like, well, I'm going to stick around and, and watch this thing rebuild. And I wonder if it, the summer comes and goes and he's like, well, I mean, I'm still here. This is what I do. And um, I don't really know or want to do anything else. And I'll just keep doing it until it starts to become boring. Stay busy. Yeah. And if I'm still winning and I can still figure this out and yeah. who knows, might get lucky again in the lottery. Like they lucked out on Kawhi. Their, their run should not have extended mm-hmm. um, as long as it did post Duncan. And they, they lucked out. Like it was a great trade for George Hill and all that kind of stuff. But still like they, they lucked out there. Yeah. Big time. And 
they might do it again. For sure. They're the Spurs. For sure. You never know. Yeah. And maybe that's his thing. He's like, that could be my last little bit. But it's just, if he's still winning games and he's enjoying life and his health's fine, like, I I don't know. I would be nervous about Pop leaving and just going mm-hmm. back. Like you said, it's just that kind of thing where that identity, and I've seen it before and you've seen it where people who've just done, who've just worked their whole lives and just <laughs> like, it, it can change you. Part of me does want to see him uh, as Don Nelson though, like two years. That would never happen. He would have the exact opposite. Don Nelson. Like, Don Nelson smoking weed in Hawaii or whatever. Like Popovich would be. Pop's going to show up with a, with a crew cut and in fatigues. No, I don't think you'll see him again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's gonna... like, when was the last time we saw Tim Duncan? Oh, he's he's around a lot local. I don't see him ever. Well, when was the last time he was on TV? I guess I should say. Like, what media think, attention I has Tim Duncan got? He did the gotten? last HEB commercials. Did he not? Okay, I he did seen one him. on a. I don't think Pop's going to do any commercials. No, Let's go ahead and go. There. <laughs> I don't think. So. I just think he'll go to like Colorado and live on a ranch. Well, you know, it's and legal just... in Colorado, so maybe he is going to Don Nelson it. Maybe I mean Phil did it. Phil's probably smoking peyote, and Don, then he disappeared in Montana. Hair. I think Pop's just going to grow out his beard. He's going to be Ron yeah. Swanson. Remember when, I, when Ron... I just hope it doesn't get sad. I hope it doesn't get sad. That's all I'm saying. And I'm just, I don't know. You mean doesn't get sad for the Spurs? No, for him. Oh, for him? No, I don't think so. I think he's... Uh... I hope he just, he needs things to occupy his time. Maybe they put him in like a front office role. Yeah, I could see that. For sure. Like a consultant kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Where he just doesn't have to be on the road and everything. Um, I also don't think they should promote with from within. Mm, really? You don't like any of the assistant yeah. coaches? No, I do. I just never liked the idea of promoting from within after a legendary coach anyway. Like, I think that rarely goes well. There are situations where that has, like, just, just you're asking, that's a really, really tough follow. Yeah, like, it, maybe the it best coach ever. And me you're just when Budenholzer yeah. was still on the staff. It made sense to me because I felt like. Yeah, because he was there for, yeah. what, 20 years? He was there forever. He was kind of like his right-hand man. And so I had always assumed, well, Budenholzer just take over, and then of course Atlanta pried him away, and now he's crushing it in Milwaukee. But I mean, who knows if uh, the Sixers flame out and Pop retires? Maybe we go after old Brett Brown. See, I wouldn't do any of that. I would go out of the the bubble. I would leave the Pop tree. I would just kind of like because I would give someone a fresh start. I would let them create their own new thing, like because Pop. I mean, he created like that's part of what you want. You want someone to come in new and fresh and start over mm-hmm. and like kind of put their own imprint on this organization and can kind of grow their own tree sure. and not live in the shadow of just being like, oh, you're one of Pop's disciples. And then if you're not as good, the pressure of just not being Pop and always compared and being in that tree. I just. I, I don't think it'd be fair to the next coach. I want all those coaches, Hammond, <laughs> Udoka, Messina, to go elsewhere. I think that they can carve out their own path elsewhere. I think but, they can, but I, I'd be shocked if the Spurs let all three of them go. And well, maybe outside. they'll stay for the new one. Maybe they all stay on and they just... Oh, I um, think Messina's going to get a big offer this summer. Interesting. Yeah, I See, wouldn't... You know who I would do if I was uh, Ty Lue. San Antonio? I'm just kidding. Jay, no, Jay Wright. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Like you just wait, you wait on him and then you give him like people forget pop was at the air force. Like he mm-hmm. coached in college. Like sure. I, Jay Wright play, he coaches an NBA style. I feel like he would fit the Spurs culture. I feel like he's, mm. isn't he a team USA coach? I think he might be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Him and pop definitely have a relationship. I, can see that. I think 
you find your own Brad Stevens. And I think you, you let Jay Wright, like he, he plays an NBA style. Like I said, I think with that roster, he fit really well, especially at Chip England. Like you could keep a lot of those guys. I think that's what I would do. I'd bring in Jay Wright. What, what about a former player? Mm, let's say, like let's the, say Manu wanted to get into coaching. No, you wouldn't do it. Absolutely not. Cause like that would, cause if it goes bad, you don't want that to be the last memory of just Manu being an awful NBA head coach. And you're like, Oh, we have to fire Manu. We have to fire Manu Ginobili. Are you kidding me? I, I think, I think he'd bow out before he got fired. Mm, I think I just, like, no way. I, I don't want any of that. I could, it's weird. I could see it. Cause I, I mean, talk about guys who, even after they retire, just can't stay away. Manu's still showing up to games. And, it's fine. And he can be a consultant. So is you still want him on and, the sidelines, mm-hmm. man. I'm telling you, you don't want a legend like that on the sidelines and ruining the... I saw Brent Berry today at the coffee mm. shop. <laughs> Isn't he in the front office now? I. That's a good question. He's been rumored for jobs. Is, that, is he? He's either been rumored for jobs or he's in... Um, I love Brent, Brent Berry. He's a man. I went through a rabbit hole with him mm-hmm. um, and that family, the Berry family. Yeah. He had a crazy upbringing. <laughs> Yeah. I would love to get Brent Berry and uh, all of them on a podcast one day because I just feel like it's the most under-talked about crazy fi- family dynamic of all time. Like people mm-hmm. are obsessed with the ball stuff. Pretty normal. They're all on the same page. Yeah. I think he's very involved in all of his kids' lives. He obviously cares mm. um, so a little too much. Rick Berry is exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like that story is insane. And just the different kind of issues from brother to brother and like all the there are so many layers. I literally spent like 45 minutes researching all the berry stuff. They should it really do a 30 wild. for 30 on the berries. I think that'd be great. I think they could do it. Cause I don't know if Rick would do like, do you think Rick would agree to like basically cause he would paint him in such a horrible light. Oh yeah. He's a legendary jerk. Well, and the, if they could land Brent Berry, he's the kind of guy who would just be totally honest. I mean, I've, I've heard him. So this is kind of random. I used to, when I got hired by my the church I used to work at years ago, I, mm. I would... Oh, spy, by the way, he is the current vice president of basketball operations for the Spurs. Well, there you go. That would explain... I thought he got a... Yeah, I thought he got a job. Anyway, continue. No, no. I, I uh, So I, I'm self-taught on, on guitar and all that stuff. Like, I never went to lessons or, or any of that stuff. I know you're talented, Caleb. Couldn't no, 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 no. I, uh, this is not a weird flex. I... I uh, reflex, but okay. <laughs> I I got hired uh, because I was leading uh, the the worship music at at the church's college ministry, and they were about to open a new campus. Anyway, yada yada yada. They hired me, but I realized, uh, like, as I was being hired, I'm like, well, I mean, when you're self taught, like, you you are a poor teacher, and so I was like, well, I should go get lessons. So I, I went for six months and and to kind of clean up some of my, my chops at uh, this place in town called Redbone, which at the time was a really, really cool shop. It sold some really like uh, rare gear. Well, Brent Berry lives in the neighborhood and he was there all the time, like would pop into my practice uh, room, like literally open the doors. I was practicing and be like, so what are you guys working on? Let's hear it. <laughs> like, and at the time, like, yeah, no pressure. Brent Berry's just opening the door and, and uh, asking uh, to hear me play, and so terribly. Uh, but he would hang out at that shop and just play with the gear, and so every once in a while we would hang out afterwards and just he would be having random conversations with with the guys working there and occasionally me, and he would just like 
be brutally honest about his family and uh, his brother and his dad, and, uh, but in a really like genuine and and funny way. And so I actually think he'd be great for something like Thirty for Thirty, but I don't think there's any way his his dad or really even his brother would agree with it. I think well, there's awesome. multiple brothers. There's Scooter. Is it Scooter the first one? Scooter. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know, but that. Am Scooter I wrong? Barry is that not his name? Like there's name. John Barry. There's Rick Barry. There is. Uh, there. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Scooter Barry. Yes, it's Scooter Barry. Scooter Barry sounds awesome. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He's the, like the. I think what you need to do is what you need is the dudes from Documentary Now to to do a parody. Of the Barry family story. He even has a new family. So he has a new wife and he has like an 18 year old kid who plays at College of Charleston. He transferred from Florida. Scooter he Barry? He's underhanded. Scooter Barry? No, Rick Barry. Oh, Rick Barry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, man. God, there's so many layers to that story. I'm telling you, folks, if you have not already gone down a Barry family rabbit hole, I highly encourage you to do so. Yes. And I, I can't divulge any details, but look up the. Uh, the argument uh, or the beef that Brent Berry once had with Kevin Garnett. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Brent, never mind. I was going to say the Brent Berry beef. <laughs> yeah. with another former. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I we're we're laughing at a very bad thing. That one actually really sucked. Yeah, and if that I, actually is what happened, which seems like it's what happened. Yeah. It's, do we? It's it's weird. And this is why, like, I don't know. I, I mean, you. It that to me is maybe the most remarkable thing about this whole like Popovich era is how few scandals came to the surface because they're at the end of the day all these people are human and so you know that there's just stuff happens and and yet we don't hear about any of it it's crazy it's crazy that that oh, man. Well, that's a weird one I feel like that would have torn apart any other franchise and yet we don't even know what's true and what's not. And I think the I same. Think if it happened in 2019, we know everything, right? Like it happened just early know, enough because we don't know anything with Kawhi. We really don't. Like we we know timeline sort of of things that happened, but we really don't know why it happened. And I think there's very few organizations in sports that can do that. And well, I think it's more like the person he is. Like he just doesn't fit his era. Sure. Like he's just he's an outlier in so many different ways. And the Spurs that. don't really fit their era, you know? Yeah, that's true. They were a match made in oatmeal heaven. I don't know what that means. Kawhi heaven, if you will. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, <laughs> yeah. Um, man, God, now I want to go down another Brent Berry rabbit hole. I think that's what I'm going to do tonight. That's the best. Um, for sure. So how do you think the season ends for uh, the Spurs? Uh, losing in the first round. Okay. Um, I think we... If the playoffs ended today, who are they matched up with? Let me see. I think we're the eight. Actually, I think- yeah, they're the eight seed right now. So they're one game. They're half a game back from the Clippers. Ooh, counting tonight's game. But the Clippers also have a rough schedule. I was talking to Yovan about that. Like they're scheduled down the stretch because the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. So the Clippers have the Thunder, the Celtics, the Blazers. Oof. Their next three. I yeah no actually we're seventh after tonight's win. Okay. You have the tiebreaker, but I, which is huge because if you get Denver in round one, I just give me that. If you can get Denver in round one, that's I, all I think I'm looking for. I think I think they should uh, legit be worried. Um, 
Now, the only thing is, like, I, I, I wouldn't. I think the likeliest outcome, even if I'm super high on the Spurs, is still Denver and seven. But uh, I think it'd be a closer series than just about any other first round series in the West, besides the the obvious uh, four or five. Well, as the bigger Spurs fan on this podcast, I will gladly um, go ahead and <laughs> declare that if it's Spurs, Nuggets in round one, the Spurs are winning. Wow. That's bold. That's bold. You're trying to get me to, to jump in with you. And you know what? I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm taking Spurs in six if they play Denver in the first round. This is great. I cannot wait for this. We can say that we were on this long time ago yes team that guess who's last in the league in three-point attempts per game what's up <laughs> or three points uh three-pointers total I should yeah say. yeah per game but are we still like ranked uh in three but you're first yeah, yeah yes isn't that so weird that's so it's the most popovich thing of all time oh, yeah for sure for sure what number one and twos and guess who but guess what their two-point percentage is what is it 21%. So they're not even hitting the shots they're taking them. But like it's so weird. Everything about the Spurs is insane. It doesn't make they're number any 1 sense. in free throws. They're number like they're they don't get any steals, which is part of like if you ever want to look at like the lack of DeJounte Murray effect, they're 30th in turnover percentage. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Like that defense, I think they're 20, let's see in their defensive rating. Like they are 23rd defensive rating. And the DeJounte, home away split in, is stunning too. Yeah. In defense. God. Yeah, it's wild. We we are one of we have the second worst away record of any playoff team in currently in the entire NBA. We are twelve and twenty two on the road. What would you guess DeRozan shooting from three this year? Um without looking. Twenty nine percent. 17%. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is wow. LaMarcus Aldridge 22. Like their two Oof. best players are Oof. not shooting threes at all. Oof. But then you look at the rest of their guys. Rudy Gay has just been Spin-ups. like given the elixir of life. He's shooting 42% from three. You have Bryn Forbes 41. Derek White's not even shooting well yet. He's at 34. Wow. Patty Mills. Okay, so Patty's at 40. Dang. That's better That's than surprising. I would have Burton's 46. That's insane. <laughs> And at Dante point, Cunningham, 48. Pau Gasol, 50%. Because I, I assume those were all uh, corner threes. We just lost Pau, too. So yeah. maybe our percentage goes That's down. wild. That is crazy. That is crazy. Like you, there, There's no middle ground in the Spurs. Like You're either shooting like 40% from three and just murdering people or less than 20%. That's crazy. God. Yeah. That's such a weird thing. That is very weird. I, and they all make their free throws. 81% for DeRozan, 85 for Aldridge, 90 for Forbes, 86 for Mills, 85 for Gay, Bellinelli, 90, Derek White, 77. Bel- Bellinelli's been fun this year. I've been, I have been... Pl- I would hate... Like, I've watched Bellinelli a lot when he's on the Hawks and stuff like that. He would drive me nuts as a as a fan. He does. We, we're used to that, though, because that was old age Manu. Was like that's true. Was like, but that's also kind of disrespectful to, to my job. <laughs> it's very respectful to uh, uh, Marco, though. Would you say that uh, Demar Derozan has had a positive or negative effect on this team right now? Because I can tell you, he is minus four per hundred possessions. Hmm. I mean, are, in comparison to what to what the team was last year, positive. Yeah. Or I mean, just like, do you think when you're watching the game, you're like, are we sure that we shouldn't just play? Uh, 
Bryn Forbes and Derek White at the one two spot and just not play DeRozan oh, down I'm the stretch. De- definitely sure we should play Demar, but next okay. year it's going to be interesting hmm. because he's the highest usage on the team. Yeah, and a lot of that was the first two months of the season, first two and a half months he was taking every game potential game winner. Uh, I'm still mad about the Grizzlies game at the beginning of the season because I was there and I hadn't seen a game in a year. And we lost a dumb foul on Marcus Sol. And anyway. Uh, who would you guess has the best plus minus per 100 possessions? On the team? Mm-hmm. Of who plays a significant amount of minutes? Bertans. You're right. Yeah. 9.9. Yeah, I would guess Bertans. Who's number two? Um, Aldrich. Nope. White. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is Aldridge three? Derek White's playing good, man. He Plus is. 6. He's 6. been awesome. Pop called him the second most uh, this important player on the team. Which that's correct. Yeah. He's he's. I love that Pop is. He's like, let me check my notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's second in plus minus per hundred possessions. So yes, he is actually by law the number two player. <laughs> if he ever said that Bertans is our heart and soul, what would you do? <laughs> well, I mean, years ago he called uh, Keith Bogans the centerpiece of the team. So. <laughs> Uh, he's, so it's not, it wouldn't be outlandish. Right. He said weirder things. So, yeah. <laughs> How much do you, he loves Jakob Pertl. Like he's, he's Jakob Pertl's plus three. I was surprised at, uh, at how quickly he came around to Jakob Pertl. I really thought at the beginning of the season that once Powell got healthy, like that was it for Pertl. Oh no. I, you know that he loved getting Pertl along with DeRozan in that trade. Losing Danny Green, you got to get that smart high basketball IQ player in there. Yeah, the match him. Pertle's been good, man. I uh, I really there's somebody here selling shirts that, you know that uh the kid who said I love turtles, on that YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, somebody made a shirt with that kid's face drawn, and it says I love Pertle under it. So it's a pretty good shirt. I think I should buy it. Probably. I like Pertle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's that's how we're gonna end this podcast. I like Pertle. I like Pardo. I like Pardo. That's good. That's why people come to this podcast for the, the great Spurs intellectual conversation. People say that we're like the, the Woj and Zach Lowe of <laughs> NBA podcasting. You know you know what, Chase? Our our conversations together are a lot like the Spurs and three-pointers. We don't have a lot of them, but every time we do, it's a classic. It's a classic. Our percentage is, is through the roof. I think there's something so to it. I was hoping you would stop at it's a classic and i was going to stop recording at that moment because that would have been like the coolest way i've ever signed off a podcast but you followed up i, I had to stop I, I could i couldn't stop it's all right mm, it's okay it's all right play us out caleb play us out uh i like puddle i'm gonna end with that <laughs> and that'll do it for today's episode of the chase thomas podcast I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back in another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. From earaches to strep tests, there's Minute Clinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Minute Clinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.